After they asked for the bread, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up in the, on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I, and the bread that I will give for the life of of the world is my flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to you. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us as it were to, to in these moments sit at the feet of Jesus and hear, hear what he was saying to them and so what he's saying to us. Will you cause your Holy Spirit to be our teacher so that we can comprehend, so we can believe? And then, Lord, will you help us to focus? So many things that would distract us, things that we did last week, things we're doing later today. Help us in these moments to hear from you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we are today going to look at the Father's role in salvation, the Son's or Jesus' role in salvation, our role in salvation. Let's jump in because Jesus addresses all of these. First of all, uh, and all from this passage, uh, we're going to, let's look at the Father's role and the first thing we see it's to give his children to the Son. His role is to give his children, the Father's children, to 
the Son. Verse 37, the first part says, All the Father gives me will come to me. Do you see how sure Jesus is when he says this? Think of other ways that that he could could say this. All that the Father, or the Father gives me everybody and some of them will come. Or some he gives me and some of them will come. But instead he says, all the Father gives me will come to me. He's not hoping this will take place. He is saying, here is the way it works. Now, that's from Jesus. The Apostle Paul talked about that too. Jesus talked about it first. But Paul talks about that over in Romans as we went through the book of Romans In Romans 8, verse 29, he puts it this way. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's all the Father gives to me. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now I want you to keep asking yourself this question. Who is the sovereign here. Who is the one that's, that's in control when it comes to salvation here? Is it man? Remember our, our three big categories? Or is it God? Well, if you didn't catch it, it's God, okay? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. This isn't the only place it says that. The second thing we see here in terms of the role of the Father, and by the way, I'm not saying this is all He ever does. What I'm saying is that in terms of this passage, these are things that we, we see. So the second thing we see is, uh, is to draw His children to Christ. Verse 44, no one can come to me, it's Jesus speaking, unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now, this doctrine that is reflected here is what in in theology we would call total depravity or total inability. He is, is making here a universal statement. No one can come to the Father. Again, think of other ways it could have been said. It doesn't say most people can't or most won't come to the Father. It says no one can. And so if you are one, if you're a person, you're included in that universal statement. Who can come to the Father? No one. Unless. And that's where he says, Okay, here's the universal statement. No one can come to the Father unless, and then he says what the unless is, unless the Father Father draws him. Now let's talk about that. What does that mean? What does it mean that the Father draws someone to Christ? 
there are, are some who would, would have been in this first category of, of emphasizing man and his ability and so on, uh, who, who would have to ignore the first part of this statement, the universal part of the statement. But in talking about drawing, being drawn to, to uh, Christ, they would, they'd say, well, God woos people to Christ. He invites He's, he knocks and hopes against hope that that door will be opened. Which, by the way, that verse is usually used out of context. But they characterize the Father as, as practically pleading for people to come, and that's, that's how they would uh, want to translate this. He, he draws them. That word draw is much stronger than that. Let me, let me give you just one other verse where we see that same root word, and you don't have to turn to it. You can, but you, you can write it down so you can look later. Um, but in Acts 21, verse 30, it says this, They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. The word dragged is the same word, root word is draw. Now, let me be quick to say this. When it comes to salvation, nobody gets dragged into the, the, the kingdom in, in the sense that they're kicking and, and screaming and trying to go the other direction, but they can't help it because God just overpowers them and he, he forces them and throws them into the kingdom and they're stuck in the kingdom. That's not how it works. But there is a force here. And it is an efficient force, as we will see in, in a moment. They are enabled. And that's what the Father does. To where, I'll, I'll give you a little insight on what we're going to see in a moment. To where they're given a new heart. And then they willingly go into the kingdom. But that's the idea. It's, it's from who? It's from God. God is the one that is absolutely sovereign in this. In John 3, we already, we've been through John 3, but if you remember where it says, unless a man be born again, then he cannot see the kingdom. Same idea as what we see here. No one can can uh, come to Jesus. No one can see the kingdom unless he's given this new heart. And then he's delivered to Christ and he will come to him. And then the third thing the Father does is to teach of Christ. Look at verse 45. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Everyone? Do you see how, how universal these, these statements are? Uh, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Christ. 
So this is talking about uh, God's irresistible, his effective grace. When he pours out his grace upon us, he gives us a new heart. And then those with that new heart see the Lord Jesus Christ and efficiently they will come to him. And that's what we we see in terms of the role of the Father. And then Jesus receives them. He enables us. The Father uh, enables us and then we freely choose. So that's the the Father's role according to the passage. And and I, I have to say, even though the passage doesn't directly refer to it, uh, John 3 did, this is referring to the work of the Holy Spirit as well. And so we really kind of see the role of both of them in these, these first three roles. Now let's look at the Son's role in salvation. The first thing he says, uh, if we start at verse 35, his role is to be the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He repeats it Later, And as we said last week, the thing about this bread, he says, uh, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So what he's saying is, I am the bread, but this bread is so unique that it not only takes care of your hunger, it takes care of your thirst. And if they didn't understand by then that this is something different than the bread that they might have had in, in their, I was going to say in their pocket. I don't, did they have pockets back then? I'm, I don't know. But the bread that they would have brought for lunch, they, they would know that this is something different and he is something different. So look at, at, at the role, first of all, as the bread of life. And then further, Jesus' role is to to do the will of the Father and save those the Father gives him. For the second part of verse 37 and on into verse 38, he says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Remember, it's the Father who's delivered them. And so he's saying, when they come to me, I won't cast them out. So he's not picking and and choosing at this point, you know, saying you go this way, you go that way. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So the Father chooses his children, delivers them to the Son, and the Son says, I will save them. I'll do everything that is necessary because my goal is to to execute what the Father wants me to do. And remember this. This is what we would call the perseverance of the saints. Now, it's not because we persevere so well, but it's because Christ will not let us go. So, when it comes to our salvation and and the fact that if we really come to Christ, if we really are trusting in Him alone, we're really one of His children we will never get kicked out of the family. But it's not because we're holding on so tight. It's because he won't let go. So as long 
If you're a child of God, as long as Jesus is alive, you will remain a child of God. So that means for eternity. And that's what we talk about with the, uh, you know, it's, it's like a little child who if you say hold on, they might let go. But if you hold on to them, you're not going to let go. And that's what we see here. Verse 40, he says it this way. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Take note of that phrase. I will raise Him up on the last day. So Jesus is saying that He's carrying out the Father's will when he does everything necessary for the lost that the Father gives him to be completely saved. Not just giving them the possibility of salvation. And that fits with the the next part of Jesus' role in salvation, and that is to preserve, protect, and raise up those the Father gives him. To preserve, protect, and raise up those the Father gives him. So once Jesus does his work of saving someone, he will not misplace them or lose them. You know what? This week I lost a checkbook and my keys multiple times. I can't even, I can't even keep those things. He says, he doesn't, he doesn't go around misplacing things, especially his children. And I, I could give you the illustration, too. I've even lost children because, you know, and when you raise four kids, that can happen. But he won't. And, 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 and that's what it means. Verse 40, then. Uh, this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks to the Son believes in Him should have eternal life. I'll raise him up in the last day. Verse 39, I skipped over that. This is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise him up in the last day. And then verse 44b, and I will raise him up in the last day. You know what? Jesus doesn't have to repeat himself for something to be true. But when he repeats himself with the exact phrase three times in one paragraph, we need to know he's saying, look, if you're my child, you will be raised up in the last day. Jesus is dependable. He doesn't lose anything that the Father gives him as long as he lives. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 8. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who's at the right hand of the Father and is interceding for us. He's praying for us, which, by the way, is why you're secure. He's praying for us. And then the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
And the answer is, no, absolutely not. In all these things we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I'm sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are a child of the living God, the pressure's off. You don't have to keep your own salvation. He has absolutely promised it. And then, what's our part? Man's part in salvation. Now, I want to admit, I wasn't being deceptive here, but this isn't really a good outline in one sense. A good outline would have uh, three things that would be parallel. And these three things aren't parallel. Because the, the, the first thing, what, what God does in terms of salvation, and, and the second thing, what Jesus does in terms of salvation, the, the answer is, by the time you get done with those, because we've included the Holy Spirit in there, so you get done with those two, and the answer is, what have they done? They've done everything. So, then what do I mean by man's part in salvation? Well, I hope you've seen already that I'm not saying it's, you know, God does his part and now we, we got to go do our part and, 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 and then, then we'll get our, our reward. Man's part? To come and believe. Verse 35, the second part. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And by the way, this isn't, remember, this isn't something we conjured up in, in, in our, ourselves and said, well, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I, I've got faith that I've, I've conjured up because I believe, because I've had enough evidence and all of that. No. Remember, no one can come to the Father. So if we come and if we believe, it's because the Father has already delivered us and given us the ability to believe. And so he says this, verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Now, we always have to clarify this. It's not just believing about Jesus. It's not just saying, I, I know he walked the earth and I know he was a, a, a good man and I know he went to the cross. It's not even enough to say, I know he died on the cross for sin. It's not even enough to say, and I, I know he was resurrected. You know how I know that's not enough? Because Satan knows all that. He doesn't question whether any of those things happened. And he's not saved. So it is trusting in him alone. That's what the believe is. Not just believing about him, but trusting in him. It is, it's knowing that you without him are rapidly falling 
toward eternal condemnation and there is nothing you can grab onto and your only hope is that he snatches you and holds on to you. And that's what it says he's done in terms of our salvation. Now, words are important uh, in, in our day and age. I think we've always got to clarify words and so on. And certainly in theology, we always need to, and in our Christian belief. Some of you were taught when asked about your faith that you, you will use this term. And I don't go around correcting people all the time. I'm just going to correct all of you at once, okay? <laughs> use this term. I accepted Christ. And then you tell when you either prayed a prayer or walked an aisle or joined the church or something like that. What's the problem with that? I accepted Christ. Who's the focus there? <laughs> I, and I did something really good. I accepted Christ. If you're not careful, who gets the glory there? I accepted Christ. So let me tell you what I think is a better way to express that. And by the way, if we're talking and you slip up and say that, don't apologize. I'm not going to, you know, put you down. Uh, I'll just say, were you not in church last week? You know. Here's, here's a better way, I think, biblically. I received Christ. Do you see the difference? Who gets the glory there? The one who gives Christ. And who is that? That's the Father. That's Christ Himself. I received Him. You don't get glory when you receive a gift. And it, it, it might seem like a little word. But can you see the difference there? Who's going to get the Who do you want to get the glory? The one who saved me. That's who I want to get the glory. Not me. And then Jesus cautions here in terms of our role. He, said, he says basically some will see and not believe. Verse 36, I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Verse 41, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said I am the bread that came down from heaven. Uh, is uh, not this Jesus, the son of Joseph and um, the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know, how does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Here again is total depravity or total inability. Unless God does something in a person's heart, they can have all the proof in the world. They can see a miracle where he feeds 20,000 people and they still won't believe unless he does something in a heart. <clears throat> and then the next part of our role is to live forever. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Verse 50. So that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Now what about me? 
I mean, come on. There's got to be some kind of a, a role for me in this. After he talks about believing, why does he say that uh, those who would believe need to feed on him, need to feed on his flesh, drink his blood? We'll get into that next week. Is, is, is that a reference to the Lord's Supper? It sounds like it. I don't think it is. I don't think that's what he's teaching, but I think the Lord's Supper refers to this. But we'll, we'll work on that next week. Let me give you some examples of what I... Uh, of us saying something similar to eating this bread. We sometimes say something like, well, I need to digest what you just said. Or I'm having a hard time swallowing that. Or, well, that's food for thought. Or I need to chew on that. Or I really devoured that book. Now, in all of these metaphors what we're doing is we're saying we're taking something from outside of ourselves and assimilating it to us like we would food. And that's what it is to believe in Jesus. Not just believing stuff about him. Not on the edge of trusting, saying that, that sounds good but trusting that we're staking our eternity on him. So what's our part? How can we pay for that? Well, that's the point. It's a gift. We can't pay for that. We receive a gift. Isaiah put it this way centuries earlier. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And so he still says to us, Come and eat of this one who says, I am the bread. And when you do, you will live forever. Let's bow together. Thank you, Lord, that it does not depend on me for my salvation and it doesn't depend on anyone in this room because I'm undependable. Thank you that it is, it is you who are the sovereign God who holds your children and that it is the Lord Jesus who is absolutely sovereign who will never let go of us. And he will raise us up on that last day. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Our response to the gospel this morning is to sing together number 499, Rock of Ages. Please stand to sing.
Nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling. If you are at that point, if you are where you say, I I want to receive, I would love to talk with you further. You can speak with any of the pastors or anyone from this church, and we can talk about those next steps. What, What really, what does it mean to begin this journey with Christ? Not just knowing about Him, but believing and trusting in Him alone. I encourage you to speak to one another before you leave the sanctuary today and uh, speak to those families that you took a vow for that you would be there for them. Let them know you're praying for them and for their little ones as they raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, children of the living God, will you reach out and receive the Lord's benediction? And now may the peace of Christ himself dwell in your hearts richly and God's people said